Now, I just want to mention that this year is sponsored by Bhatti and Eddie Jacobs, very close friends. In honor of the engagement of their son, Yos, to Lisa Vladkis, Mazel Tov. It'll really be a pleasure to share another simcha with you. As I say personally to Bhatti and Eddie. Okay, I turned off my phone. Achemot Kedoshi. Those are the two parashiyot that we have to deal with. So I remind you, I was learning today. It's always dangerous to learn whatever it is you're going to give a shear on. Because it always turns out that you have to change everything. So I remind you, at the beginning of Kedoshim, of the second parish, it's not on the sheet, but at the beginning of the second parish that we're going to lay on Shabbos, the Pesach says, by the Be'er Shevel Moshe Leimo, the Be'er Kol Adat B'nei Yisrael V'Avat Aleheb, which sounds like a regular kind of introduction for a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah coming up. What's the mitzvah? Kedoshim T'Yu. And then further, it's defined, Ki Kadosh Ani Hashem Elokeichem. In other words, in this ongoing attempt at imitatio Dei, right? We, we want to be like God. We haven't got any way of saying that we could be better than we are, except to say, let's be like God. So in certain cases, God kind of opened up a window and told us something about God. And the reason that we were told that was that we should be able to imitate God. That's a pretty standard kind of position. So here God says, Ki kadosh ani Hashem elokechem. And therefore, you, the people of Israel, try to be like God and be kadoshim. So that's uh, okay up to now. But what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to say to a person, be like God, be Kadosh? So there are two well-known positions represented on the pages of the Mikraot Gedolot. One is Rashi, and the other is the Rambat. So everybody knows, everybody should know, and in any event, Kadosh to you, this is Rashi. Evu prushim min ha'arayot umin ha'avera. You should separate yourself from arayot. Arayot are illicit sexual uh, relationships. U umin ha'averot, and don't get involved. Generally speaking, in any kind of transgression. Shekol makom. Sha'ata motzei keder arayot, ata motzei kedusha. And Rashi says kedusha, kadosh, sanctity equals avoiding uh, illicit uh, sexual relationships. Isha zona v'chalaleha ani Hashem because in other words that that's what kedoshim is. So according to Rashi, Rashi says. Minha Rayot, O Minha Averot. 
it, it was the word Kedoshim doesn't represent something new something that's not in the Torah because all of these Isurim, all these prohibitions are stated in the Torah so it's like Rashi says if you do what the Torah tells you to do then you are in the category of Kedoshim and you are in that case imitating God that's what Rashi says of course why would the Torah suddenly decide to tell us that Kedoshim means uh, uh, Arayot we know that Arayot Arasur we know that starting from the previous parasha of Achremot where there's a kind of very explicit long list of Arayot so we turn our attention to the Ramban and the Ramban says the Ramban says Kedoshim Tiyu means it's possible it's easy to be a Naval Bishuta Torah a Naval, the word Naval is a word that describes a bad person Naval Bishuta Torah how is that possible? how can you be a Naval and, uh, and kind of live up to the demands of the Torah? so the Ramban brings two examples one example he says is gluttony he says obviously the Torah does not want you to uh, eat everything that comes your way the, the Torah tells you that you have to buy special kinds of food and shak the animals a certain way and then uh, make brachot and then say otherwise eating is sort of like an activity that, that is uh, the Torah limits you it says don't eat too much so what is it you're not supposed to eat what exactly where should you limit your eating that's for you to figure out you figure out once you get into your head that the Torah thinks that eating should not be a activity that you really are totally involved with so then you go figure out how you're going to achieve this how you're going to achieve Kedusha the second example that the Ramban gives is uh, excessive sexual activity he says even if it's a man and his wife or a wife and his her husband uh, uh, you should be uh, um, you should limit limit the things that you do in the Torah does not in any place tell you that you should have this limitation but it's clear since the Torah places all sorts of other limitations on sexual activity clearly the Torah does not think that you should be uh, too involved in that from this position of the Ramban comes the idea that people that people have to make decisions we call it sometimes moral decisions or ethical decisions about what's right and what's wrong which are not clearly stated in the Torah we don't get specific direction on what to do in every single case that's imaginable so we have to very often decide on our own uh, what that is and that's called Kedoshim to you use the Torah as a base and you're able to come to certain other kinds of other kinds of conclusions so of course the question is on Rashi remember Rashi? he said Min HaRayot the Min HaVeirot the question on Rashi is uh, why did he if it's Min HaVeirot Rashi writes Min HaVeirot it's all transgression why does he specifically also say Min HaArayot according to the Ramban according to the Ramban 
It's a little strange. Wouldn't you think that the Torah was perfect? Wouldn't you think that the Torah told you what you should do? You do it. Told you what you should avoid? You avoid it. But man comes to the conclusion that the Torah didn't tell us everything. That we have to figure out a lot of things on our own. Now this is not exactly the same as Takano things they wrote, but but in any event, this is a um, this is the parsha of of Kedoshi. This is the beginning of the parsha, and all of the things in the parsha can be kind of fit in to this fundamental machloket. What is it that makes you kadosh? And also, I could say, I could add, why would you want to be kadosh? It was like this statement: Ki ani, ki kadosh ani Hashem elokechem. It's not a statement that means much to us. Whenever you say something about God, you have to recognize the fact that the Rambam dealt with this at length in the moment of Ruchim, that even though we have a yearning to be closer to God, it's not the same as saying that we know anything about God. We really can't know anything about God except we can know about things that God did. Like if you say, God is great. That doesn't mean anything. Right? Do you, you, you understand? Because uh, the word great in that sentence doesn't mean anything. Because the word great applied to God uh, has a very, should have some specific meaning. But we don't know what that is. So how come we can say in Shemona Esrei? We say, we say okay, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going Hagadol, Hagibor, Vahanorah. How do we say that? Who asked that question? The, the Gemara asked that question. Pretty clever. Right? The Gemara, what's the Gemara's answer? The Gemara's answer is, we really couldn't say it, except that who said it first? Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu said it, so we could also say it, because when Moshe Rabbeinu said it, he understood what he was saying. So we say, we, we say, look, I don't, know, I don't understand it, but I can say it because Moshe Rabbeinu said it. That's like the, the advantage sometimes of ignorance. Right? So you can't say, you can't say too much about God. So what does it mean when the Pasuk says, Ki kadosh ani Hashem So this is like, you know, these are ongoing problems that come up every year. Uh, uh, it's hard to understand what exactly the Torah is directing us towards. Now, if we go back to uh, this is the this is the sheet. On the sheet, you have a, a pasuk in Parshat Achrimot. A pasuk in Parshat Achrimot. Just a second. Uh, just one second. You know. I used to watch old people, you know, you see old people reading, and they turn the pages by licking their, their fingers, and they get stuck here on the page. I said, well, why would everybody do that? Now I do that. <laughs> you know, so I, can't, I can't get these pages to separate. Uh, okay. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to B'nai Yisrael He gives a list of Arayot 
in Perik Yudchet. Don't have relationships with. And then there's a list. And it's a whole bunch of Sukim. We know this from. Uh, we know this from the Parsha. We read this Parsha on uh, on Yom Kippurim. And the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, uh, just one second. The Pasuk says, Alte tamu bichol eile, ki bichol eile, nitmeu agoyim asher ni mishalech mitnechem. There are goyim who live in Eretz Yisrael, and they're be, being sent away. In other words, God is enabling B'nai Yisrael to defeat them in battle. Why? Why is that called Eila Nitmu Hagoyim? All of these Azerot, these uh, these uh, sexual misdemeanors were in fact done by the people who live in Eretz Kinan. And the Pasuk earlier says one of the lessons that the Israel learned leaving the Tzrayim and coming to Eretz Kinan was that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't act like the people in the tribe, and they shouldn't act like the people in, in Eretzia. What did they do, these people? Sexual misdemeanors. They said, uh, So that somehow is the answer to the question that Rashi asked in the first Rashi in the Chumash. Rashi says, right, he says, Omar of Yitzchak, why did the Torah start from Breshit Baralu Kim? Why did the Torah start from the first mitzvah? Hachodesh Hazelachem. We assume that the Torah is about the obligations that the Nei Yisrael have. So the Torah should have started from the first mitzvah. And the first mitzvah to Am Yisrael, there are a few mitzvot in the book of Breshit, but the first mitzvah to Am Yisrael was in Shemot, Hachodesh Hazelachem. That's the first mitzvah that God gave to B'nai Yisrael through Moshe and Aram. Right? So why didn't it start from there? Okay, that's the question. It's okay, it's okay. If you have energy, you can look at the Ramban, and the Ramban doesn't like the question so much. But the Rashi goes on and quotes, this is a quote from the, from the Tanchuma, that, uh, that what's going to happen um, B'nai Israel are going to come to Eretz Israel. it is very important that, that this principle which is that the world belongs to God there's a principle like that Rashi says and that God can do whatever God wishes to do but then Rashi goes on to say what's going to happen you come to Eretz Israel. And so like a very modern kind of Rashi. It's modern day kind of Rashi. Come there, it's Israel. So all the Goyim, all the Goyim say, Listimatet. You, the Jewish people who are coming to conquer the land, are a bunch of robbers. Because you're coming to rob our land. So if you raise the Rashi, like you raise this idea a little bit, it says, what are the people in Canaan saying? They're saying, who put us here? How did we get here? I mean, God put us here. If God hadn't put us here, we wouldn't have been here. So you are coming, representing God, to get us rid of someplace, and God put us there. You mean God changed God's mind somehow? You know, it's an argument. 
It's an argument. We have the seven nations of Canaan. They said, we have divine authority to be here. Now, beat that. So what does the Pesach say in Achremot? The Achremot, Pesach Achremot said that the, that the people in Canaan, and only the people in, the Cana- in Canaan, messed up so severely that they had to be driven from their land. They had to be driven from the, from the land of Canaan. Now, that differentiates, that differentiates the people in Canaan from the people in Egypt. The people in Egypt were punished for whatever excesses they did or whatever transgressions they transgressed, but they did not have to leave Egypt. You are, you are, you are, are, you, are you with me here? It's only the Canaanites that had to leave Canaan. Everybody else in the world, everybody else in the world, if they did something wrong or they deserved punishment, they received punishment. That's the way we look at it. Right? We look at this, at the world history, and we say this nation went down and that nation went down the other, and they deserved it. They deserved it because they were not, they were immoral, or non-moral, or amoral, or whichever kind of moral you want to say. So they, they were punished. But they weren't exiled. I think. I mean, it could be that somebody could come up with some story about some hot and pot someplace. But like, you know, we're not that knowledgeable. So we say, we say, they were not exiled. Who was exiled? Who was exiled? The Canaanites were exiled. Why were the Canaanites exiled? This is the Ramban that I gave you. Right, we'll look at it shortly, but why were the Canaanites exiled? Because that kind of transgression does not jive with living in Eretz Israel. And that simple shot. I'm telling you the simple shot. The simple shot is that the key, it says in the next Pasuk, that it's Maharetz, that it's Ma. Titameh means unclear, impure. Right? So whatever it means, you know, like, you can all make up your own uh, uh, interpretation. And God remembered and considered and decided that the punishment should come to these people. Very strange turn of phrase. Right? Because the phrase says that the land vomited them out. Well, the land vomited them out? Why did they say they were punished? No. The punishment was predetermined by some reality in creation. And that reality in creation is that Eretz Yisrael does not suffer Canaanites. This has nothing to do with Arabs. Arabs are besetic. I mean, Muslims are besetic. Eretz Israel did not suffer the Karaites. And so while the punishment came from the Kaddish Baruch Hu, because the Kaddish Baruch Hu led Am Yisrael into Canaan to fight against the, the Canaanites, nevertheless, the fact that they were exiled the fact that they were exiled is something from the land. It's something unique in the history of the world. And so the simple shot is, the simple shot is that in some way, 
in some way the land of Israel you know you have to live in a certain way you have to live up to a certain standard you have to be a certain type of, of community of people in Eretz Israel. otherwise the land rebels against you and so so the Rashi and Breshit says the Rashi Breshit says says that well we answer but they come to us like in the United Nations and they say you're just a bunch of robbers you don't belong here you don't live here you weren't here you were were speaking Yiddish for the last 2,000 years whatever they say whatever people say so we say according to the Medrash according to the Medrash we say this is the way God created the world and there's something special about the creation of Eretz Yisrael and that special thing is that every place else if you're not a moral person you don't live up to certain basic standards you might be punished but you won't be exiled exile is not a punishment it's only a punishment from Eretz Yisrael only it's the only place in the Torah where it says something so um, so severe about the relationship between the land and the people that's what the Pesach says the, the land vomits them up no. of what? Did, did that happen in other words it doesn't appear they were vomited out of the land it was what? difficult to remove them it was difficult difficult to remove them from the land like, well, they were all descendants, so they, they kept fighting. In, in other words, B'nai Yisrael, I mean, it's a different uh, story, but B'nai Yisrael were not, did not live up to expectation. Even though Yehuda, the southern they kingdom... They were there for generations, in other words, even when the Jews entered the land, it goes on and on and on, the story of the Canaanites and the land of Israel. Yeah, but they were all conquered. And many of them were exiled. Some of them were not. Some of them were not. And the Philistines were never exiled. Even though eventually they disappeared. But that's a different story. Wait, wait, I'm, I'm telling you the story of what should be. But that's what the Chumash says. It's true that in the book of Shoftim, in the book of Shoftim it says clearly that the book of Shoftim is about the Shoftim and Shmuel is about the northern kingdom. Right. And the northern kingdom, they did not manage to kick for whatever reason. Right. If they were immoral sexually in their practice, and, and the Torah says they're going to be bombed, but that doesn't... No, the, that means that the Jews had to do it, though. That's only the answer to the question of how could you come to exile us? So the Jews are saying, we're just the agents. We're the agents for this exile, but you deserve it. You're going to be exiled sooner or later. So sooner or later, they were exiled. I mean, I don't see that you could say anything else. So there's this famous Ramban. This famous Ramban, which we're going to learn a little bit of together. And if you have the Koyak, you should try to learn it. You can learn it yourself. The, the Ramban tries to explain this Pasuk, which I think is what we've said is a simple shot. It's not something uh, tricky, it's not about changing around the words. I'm saying that that the relationship between punishment and Eretz Yisrael is special because it includes includes exile. Exile means 
from Eretz Yisrael where the Jews were exiled from Spain and they went to wherever they went to you know some went to Portugal and some went to North Africa and some went to, you know all, they, they're all over I mean the whole Spanish community uh, was exiled but that's not called exile they're already in exile it's like you go, you go from one department to another department it's not like you, know, you change your status you're just suffering you're suffering from what they did to you but you're still in exile that hasn't changed so the exile always means from Eretz Yisrael to outside of Eretz Yisrael and the first exile the first, I mean, of course you know that the Ovos all practiced uh, exile right, Avram Avinu went to Egypt and then Yitzchak wanted to go, so he went to the Philistines uh, he was driven also by, uh, by famine Yaakov Avinu spent many years in exile and then finally brought all of um, his family to the Egyptian, Egyptian exile and finally there's the exile of the, of the seven nations when B'nai Yisrael led by Yeshua bin Nun came into, came into Eretz Yisrael so that exile is about Eretz Yisrael you can only be exiled from Eretz Yisrael and what exile means is that you've created a situation where living in Eretz Yisrael became untenable even punishment even if you had been punished in Eretz Yisrael you still wouldn't be able to live there still would not be able would not be able to live there and there are a lot of uh, proofs for this but the point that I'm trying to make is that's what the Torah says it says it for Feirush right that exile is from Eretz Yisrael so now let's look at the at the we'll look at a little bit of the of the Rambat look what the Rambat says Echmir HaKatub and we're going to go back to Kedoshim to you right I have not forgotten that I will try to explain it it says Hechmir HaKatub Barayot Barayot is a big topic uh, sexual misdemeanor Ba'avur Ha'aret Shetitma Ba'em Vitaki Hanefashot Ha'osot Vihine Ha'arayot Chovat Ha'guf Vihina Tluyot Ba'aret So the Ramban says I don't get it How can you call Arayot a transgression against the land of Israel it's, it's something that people do and people do it themselves they don't have to be in Eretz Yisrael well, what's it going to do with Eretz Yisrael you could say Mitzvot, Glod, Ba'aret Trumot and Masrot those are connected to the land but why should Arayot be connected to the land that's his question because of all the things that you could choose why Arayot so you know that Rashi Rashi said Arayot that Kedoshim to you he said stay away from Arayot now if you leave out the second part of the Rashi you said you said Averot uh, 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 but just the Arayot this is what he's talking about this is what Rashi is talking about Kedoshim to you has something to do with Arayot because Kedoshim to you as what the Ramban is going to explain is living in Eretz Yisrael this Ramban not the Ramban in Kedoshim but this Ramban seems to say that that what is, like, like, what's the issue? What's the issue? The issue is, can you live in Eretz Yisrael? According to Rashi, 
if you are involved in Arayot you can't and therefore you miss out on the Kedoshim to you so here we are on line um, line 2 at the end of Soda Davar right Sod so when the Ramban says Sod he usually means Kabbalah but this time he doesn't this time he means like we would say like the secret of the uh, the secret with which we understand this is Sod HaDavar V'Katuv Sha'amad is a Pasuk at the end of the Torah in Hazinu Ba'chel El Yom Goyim Ba'chrido V'nei Adam Yatsev Gvulot Anim V'Gomer in other words God created the world and made divisions in it this nation lives here that nation lives there so that that the uh, the divisions of nations is part of creation but God created it that way it wasn't like it just happened that God let people run around and do whatever they wanted but this is what God wanted and then he says um, that God created everything which I think means he gave everything in creation connected them to something in heaven something heavenly and uh, in other words, God created the world so that wherever you are, you can connect to heaven, that every place in the world you connect to heaven through an intermediary. And he calls the intermediary Kochav, a star, meaning some power in heaven, or Mazal. A Mazal is a group of stars. Uh, okay. Uh, another pasuk. Kinyan Shekatuv, the Pasuk in Daniel, Visar Malchut Paratz Omeid Lenegdi. Khtiv Sham, Hinei Sar Yavan Ba. Vinikraim Lachim, Kidikhtiv Sham, Kidikhtiv, Vani Notati Sham Eitzel Malchut Paratz. So the Ramban looks at the created world. And he said, part of the created world is the divisions in that world. Was, we call them nations, or languages. They're groups of people that form uh, a nation together. Because in all of those nations, the Ramban, this is the theory the Ramban had that he speaks of explicitly in, in many places. The Ramban says, the Ramban says that, that every place in the world Every place of the world, there's a connection that you can make to heaven. Wherever you are, wherever you are in the world. However, there's a difference between Eretz Israel and every place else in the world. Every place else in the world, you make a connection through an intermediary. Or 
he's really talking about the nations of the world but I think it applies also to Jews who are found in different places I think that's what he would say you know the Ramban the Ramban did it you know he said all these things about Eretz Yisrael and he actually went on Aliyah which in his day was not such an easy thing to do and it wasn't as though he didn't have a job and or, or that Nefesh Benefesh helped him he, he went uh, he went on Aliyah and, uh, and he felt that that, uh, that that was the only way that a Jew could fulfill himself because when you're in, like, in the diaspora you can daven but it's not as good when you're in Eretz Yisrael it's something special that's what, that's what the Ramban said let's look at another at the next paragraph so here's the Ramban he says the whole world is created by God but Eretz Yisrael is special within that world in the Zohar it says in the Zohar it says what does it say? Vachalta v'savata that if you eat, you have to say Okay. Then what do we say? What does the pasuk continue? Everybody knows that you have to say Birkatamazon wherever you are. There's no difference between being in Jerusalem or being in Brooklyn. You have to say Birkatamazon. So why does the Pasuk say, So the Zohar said, What? That's the Ramban later on. But the Ramban, I'm talking about the Zohar. Again, I'm like offering the Zohar for free. So the Zohar says, the Zohar says that everybody knows that all the bracha that the world has comes from heaven to Yerushalayim and then it spreads out to the entire world. So this is like a concept. Is a concept. What is the concept? The concept is that when God created the world, God wanted the whole world to be God's world. But it didn't work out. And the whole world was destroyed. Remember Noah? Well, you know, it's like a half a year. It's half a year backwards, half a year forward. Remember Noah? So the world was destroyed. Basically, the world was destroyed. It was, it was wiped out. Like, you know that, that there was a flood? You remember that? This is not today. I don't take anything for granted. That's what they told me. Teachers should not take anything for granted. So there was a flood. Now what's a flood? What is a, like, like metaphorically, what's a flood? Like why, what? Why did the world just explode? What's a flood? What is Tovavo? Well, before the world was created, there was Tovavo. What's Tovavo? I'll tell you exactly what it means. I know you've been waiting for a long time. 
Or is that exactly what Tovavov means? Tovavov means undistinguishable. What's undistinguishable? No land. What? The what? No, no. The distinguished world is where there's land and there's water. And there are trees and there are stones. Where you put water on top of the whole thing, there's no distinction. Nothing. So that goes back to that's Tovavo. There was nothing. There was nothing. Tovavo, we usually, I think, imagine that Tovavo means that it was like you take a big box of Lego and you, you throw it up and down and you have Tovavo. No. Tovavo means it's not what the Bria was. What was the Bria? To distinguish things. That's what God did. He breathed the day from the night, the sun from the moon the trees, from the grass, from the flowers, from the land, from the water. It was all, everything was distinguished. That's what Bria is. It was all in there someplace. And what is, what is the flood? The flood is back to Tovavo. Back to everything being undistinguishable. And then the Bria started over again. Except that God didn't have to create it because it was all under the water. So when the water left, so the creation re-emerged. The creation re-emerged. So that originally you could say I'm going to say it but you could say it originally God wanted the whole world to be godly but that didn't work out the people were not prepared to accept that yoke so the secondary creation turned out to be a creation where some people would, would accept that yoke in some place that some people turned out to be the Jewish people, Am Yisrael, and that some place turned out to be, to be uh, uh, Eretz Yisrael. So just like the early creation, the first creation, the creation of, before Noah, could not suffer, the creation could not suffer Vatimalea Eretz Hamas, and the whole land became filled with miserable people who only wanted to transgress, so that creation couldn't couldn't suffer it. Because the whole world was God's creation. So what happened? Everybody was spewed out. Everything's God. Except for Noah and a couple of people in an ark. I mean, it's, it's a joke. That's the creation. That was the end of creation. The second creation, which is the creation after Noah, was a creation in which the only demand on, on humankind was that there would be some people who would accept the yoke of heaven and would accept that yoke of heaven in um, in Eretz Yisrael which is like Gan Eden but that's a different story in Eretz Yisrael so having accepted that yoke of heaven in Eretz Yisrael right, the Jewish people kept the world going but since God promised that there would never be a flood again that kind of flood so the punishment, the ultimate punishment, became Galut, exile. Before that, before Noah, Galut was impossible, right? Because there was no place to send you to. Every place was God's place, so to speak. But after, after uh, Noah, there was Eretz Yisrael, and not Eretz Yisrael. Right, there's Eretz Yisrael, not Eretz Yisrael. So not Eretz Yisrael was the place of Galut, and that's what that's what the Ramban, I think, 
is talking about you call Eretz Yisrael Emtsa'ut HaYishuv right that's the Zohar I told you that the middle of of, of the world the, the inhabited world is Eretz Yisrael so Bracha comes from heaven into Eretz Yisrael Yetzot HaYishuv HaMiyached Shemo Zera Oavav so that's the deal. That you should become, you, B'nai Yisrael, will be like a treasure unto heaven. And this land will be yours. There is a land that will be yours alone. That's Rashi. Here's Ramban. He's quoting Rashi in in in, uh, in Kedoshim. That that it's Arayot and Averot. Arayot and Averot. Arayot and Averot. What do they cause? They cause Galut. The first Golim even though we don't like to admit it, were the seven nations of Canaan. The first exiled. The first ones to be exiled were the seven nations of Canaan. Vasitim etchem velotaki etchem ha'aretz as it says, uktif par line 15. V'amar lachem atem t'yushu et admatam v'ani etnena lachem l'reshet ota ani Hashem elokichem v'shivdalti etchem min ha'amin y'amar ki hivdil otanu b'kol ha'amin asher Natan Alehem Sarim Elohim Acharim Betito Lano at the Arach Yehu Yitbarach Lano Lelokim Veneyem Yuchadim Lishvo Venei Arach Shehi Nachalat Hashem Anichvata Ki Komitame Otav Alot Hizvo Avdeya Vodazora Umigalim Arayot There you have it that this land which is the only land the only place left in the created world which radiates the Kedusha of the presence of God the only place that place cannot stand and since that was embodied by the Canaanites they were the first ones to be sent into exile the Egyptians the Egyptians could have been maybe they were worse the Torah says that the king of Israel cannot bring you back to Mitzrayim why can't you bring you back to Mitzrayim why can't you go to and you were going to want to go conquer Mitzrayim you know like why not so uh, uh, no you can't go to Mitzrayim why can't you go to Mitzrayim because it didn't rain and Mitzrayim so Rashi says didn't rain Sort of, you know, they got the water from the Nile. The Nile would overflow, and then they would get they would get what they needed. But they didn't didn't rain. So Rashi says, a place where it doesn't rain, you don't have to daven. Right, you have to daven. That's how people learn to daven from the rain, because the rain is something that we feel we can't really control. We tried in different ways we can't even kill the locusts when they come from Egypt we, the rain we certainly can't make it make it rain 
you can't, you can't make it rain. So if you can't make, if you don't have to worry about the rain, you don't have to daven. So that the, the, the terrible nature of the Egyptian world was that it was a non-davening world, which I told you, I told you, I've mentioned that when God created the world, right? The second description in Reishi chapter 2. Right, you know Rabbi Soloveitchik? He is in charge of chapter 1 and chapter 2. So, so uh, uh, it says, Adam ayin adama. Man had not yet been created to work the land. So everybody says, well, work the land. In Gan Eden, nobody worked anything. He just walked around and picked the apples off the tree. Didn't have to work. What is lavodit adama? So as he says, lavod is the other meaning of the word lavod. The other meaning of the word lavod is to serve God. The, gray, the rain did not come onto the land because Odorayim. Odorayim means, what does it mean? There was nobody there to daven. So that means that in the creation, the way Rashi understands it, Rashi, Rashi says, you know, when the world was created, there was a little piece of creation left out. God didn't do it. What was that little piece of creation? Davening. The world was not yet complete because there was no man slash woman to daven for rain so that the grass would grow. So that Rashi teaches us that the essential nature of the human being is davener. He's a davener. That's what he does. And with that capacity to daven, he became a partner in the creation of the world with a Kodesh Baruch That's what Rashi, that's what Rashi said. So in Egypt, in Egypt, you have people who trained themselves. They trained themselves because they lived in a place where it didn't rain. They trained themselves out of that agreement. They were not daveners. They didn't daven in Egypt. So the Torah says, don't let the Jews go back to Egypt. They can go any place else. I mean, not to, I'm going to say, to do business, to work, to learn, to do, you know, but don't go to Egypt. So far, I'm not sure that it's a big problem, but that's what the Torah says. And Rashi says, because they did not have daven. And davening, Rashi says, a very base, a gracious davening is the essential human capacity to join in the creation, in the creation of the world. And that became that became something that you could do best in Eretz Yisrael. And that's what the Ramban goes on to say. The Ramban goes on to say that yes, uh, uh, that, that really the real of everything is in Eretz Yisrael. And everything out of Eretz Yisrael, Rashi sa- uh, the Ramban says, is kind of practice. Like you want to make sure that when you come back to Eretz Yisrael, you know how to put on tefillin and you know how to how to kosher a chicken and you know you, you see you, you so you do all these things in Chutzlaaretz but you do them because you know that you're coming back that you're coming back to Eretz Yisrael so again according to this kind of Rashi and Ramban and again the Ramban you see that the notion of Eretz Yisrael the idea of Eretz Yisrael is that it's not Galut it's not it's not exile 
and that there is a qualitative difference between being in Eretz Yisrael and being in exile the first exiles are the Canaanites who said that uh, that God put them there and therefore they have a right to stay against the against the Jewish people who came to conquer conquer the land to which our answer was they they were only put there on the condition that they would be able to live up to the demands of Eretz Israel, but they weren't able to and therefore God will chase them out of the chase them out of the land and the agent for chasing them out of the land is uh, the Jewish people led by Yehoshua ben Nun much in the same way that Nebuchadnezzar was the agent for getting rid of the Jewish people from Yehuda and sending them to exile because they were no longer they were no longer deserving of, uh, of uh, living in Eretz Israel you see that you could say you could say I think that uh, <laughs> I mean you could look at you could look at everything uh, everything uh, in both ways like you know the transgression leads to the exile but it's also sometimes you could say that the exile was necessary it was a necessary preparation you know, that's, that's, that's what the Ramban says about Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov especially Yaakov that Yaakov was um, was to implant us to plant within us or somehow in our genetic makeup that we deserve to be in Eretz Israel we will be in Eretz Israel right in, in the other words uh, reformed Jews let's say you know in history modern history reformed Jews they said, no, we give up. We give up on Eretz Yisrael. We'll never, you know, we'll never be able to go there. And so we'll give up. We'll, we'll, we'll live the diaspora life. But in some way, most of the Jews, most of the Jews, whether they were religious or non-religious, were not willing to give up Eretz Yisrael. And so in modern history, when suggestions came up, like, let's go here or let's go there, uh, for some reason, for some reason, the Jews who were not religious uh, wouldn't accept those those solutions. They were not prepared to give up the Eretz Israel option. Now, it doesn't matter how they explained it to themselves, right? You know, every person, you know, like he has he has an opinion, so he had some explanation. But when you look at the totality of it, it seems to me it seems to me that somehow we learned along the way that is disastrous as, as uh, Galut is it's a terrible punishment and it's been going on for a long time that it's not the end of the story that Galut does not equal irrevocable uh, an irre- irrevocable change but that Eretz Yisrael is there if, you, if you're willing to take it you can get it you know, and if you're not willing to, of course you 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 won't get it. But this idea that you could is what about who? So that's what I think I'm telling you. <laughs> I thought I was telling you that that kedoshim kedoshim is being worthy of Eretz Yisrael. It was that like that's the new the the new dimension. 
Unless it's like, you know, you do mitzvahs, there are various, you can do mitzvahs already in any place. It doesn't be in a special place. Okay? Very good. You could argue about whether doing a mitzvah in Borough Park is as good as doing a mitzvah in Yerushalayim, but okay, it's not a bad thing to do mitzvahs in Borough Park. Okay, it's not as good. This is good. You know, everybody, you know, when it comes to, to figuring out things like that, everybody can have something to say. But Kedoshim to you is like saying, stay in Eretz Israel. Don't give up. Don't give up that opportunity. Because quality, qualitatively, don't think that that's not what God wants. Like you can say, there's a lion's den in Eretz Israel. There is. There's kind of a lion's den. You know, sometimes when the Tanyahu talks about all the enemies we have, and sometimes I actually believe him. You know, not often, but sometimes. You know, we have like, like we're here in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there's nothing here. When they started, when the settlers came and started cleaning up, there was like nothing, there was no competition. Nobody wanted <coughs> Who wanted to come here? Who wanted to be here? Except for the crazy Jews who came. And yet, today, today, everybody, uh, everybody wants to be here. They look, you know, it's, they took the land. You know, they built these 50-story buildings on them. Like, as though, as though they, if somebody else was here, they would have also, also built these 50-story buildings. But uh, that's the nature, the nature of, of uh, the Jews and Eretz Israel is that it's tough. It's a tough kind of a setup because the demands are always very high. The demands are always very high. Whether you recognize them or not, they're there. They're, they're, they're always there. Okay, so that's what Kedoshin to you means. Kedoshin to you means be worthy of Eretz Israel, And don't forget that that's, it's always there. And nobody else, no one else is going to usurp your claim. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter... Uh, you know, who, who, uh, there was nobody here. I mean, I mean, I speaking in a figurative way. There wasn't anybody. It's not like we took. I mean, we took here and there. We did take. I mean, I'm not saying that we are always talis shekulo tchelas. But I'm saying it's not like Eretz Yisrael. Like people said, "Hey, it's the promised land. Let's go, go, go to America." There's a history. What's his name? The ambassador wrote a book about it. What's the ambassador to America's name? Michael Oh, Michael Oren. He wrote a book about, you know, how the Americans always wanted to go to Palestine and the Holy Land and have throughout the, that, this tradition of support for, for Israel. Okay, they all wanted to come. How many came? Five? Seven? I mean, there was nobody here. There was really, you know... Uh, Again, I'm not saying that that means that we could take whatever we want and not, and not compensate the people for it. Just saying that somehow it was not an attractive spot. You know, the diaspora, sending the Jews off the diaspora, did not make Eretz Israel uh, a tourist attraction. So, it was there. It's sort of like waiting. It's waiting. It's not the, all those years. It was just nothing was happening here you know they had wars here and there and they had Ottoman Turks and, and, and the Arab Turk, and Arabs and Muslims and, you know but it, it didn't stick to anybody because who wants to you know who needs rocks that's what they had here I don't know if you remember you know you have to see those 
early Jewish National Fund pictures. There are rocks. They had a lot of rocks here. They still have a lot of rocks here. But, you know, if you're committed, it makes a difference. You know, so, okay, so there are rocks. I remember when I came, uh, the first time I came to La Vie. Now, La Vie is a place that had a lot of rocks. So I said, rocks? Okay. You know, I, I was from Brooklyn. What I know about rocks, you know? I had never had any place where there wasn't cement. You know, I never saw any rocks in my life. So I said, what do you this? I said, the guy sitting in front of me in shul. What hell his name? His brother was the doctor for a while. Danny. I said, Danny, what did you do? He says, I move rocks. I said, yeah, but, like, what else do you do? He said, no, no, no. I just move rocks. How long have you been doing this? He said, 20 years. These guys are crazy. <laughs> Why did they go someplace with his no rocks? You know, they were... Every piece of land that was farmed was land that was uncovered by somebody moving rocks. So they really like to say, the other people, you know, the other people, are they going to do that? Is somebody else going to do that? Only the crazy Jews are going to do that. So, uh, so it's there, this idea, as I'm saying also the idea that people wanted to, wouldn't give up on Eretz Israel. I mean, it's remarkable uh, to me. It's remarkable to me. If somebody says to you, listen, why'd you go to Madagascar? It's big, it's green, it's lush, and there's nobody there. Should take it. Take two. You know, they, I mean, the people in the world, they just wanted to solve this problem. Get these Jews out of there. And, and nobody would. Everybody said, no, I like the rocks. I want to go where the rocks are. I want to clear rocks. That's why I went to college. That's why I, I got a profession. I want to clear rocks. So they did. They, they, they came to Israel and they cleared the rocks. It's an amazing thing. So, Kedoshim Tiyu, that's what I wanted to say. Kedoshim Tiyu is about the life that you lead, that you have to live in order to be Zoche, to merit Eretz Yisrael. And, you know, even though it was Yom vote this week, I thought it was a, an important thing to say. <laughs> All the best. Have a good Shabbos.